Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. are about to be spoken on another edition of the extreme life of Matt Hardy. We, of course, are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. I am John Alba, joined by the man of the hour, the 49% owner of the AHFO. That's minority owner for the record. Mr. Matt Hardy, how are you, buddy? Uh, I am doing good, but I do have the majority number of board seats as well. So don't forget that. Oh, okay. You know, gotcha. uh, of the five seats, I have three. So things work how, out. How does that work out exactly? Uh, well, if something would come up, there would uh, there would have to be a, a vote, you know, and then I just have the majority. So I should I should be fine <laughs> in that capacity. <laughs> Some strong uh, Norman Osborn Spider-Man vibes coming from you on that one, Matt. But that's good to hear. Well, last week we had a chance to take a deep dive into Big Money Matt. Uh, what was the feedback you got on that one? People were really enjoying that. I, I thought it was very... It was interesting how people were, were very amazed by the actual real life relationship between myself and and private party, you know, about how legitimately they're, you know, big wrestling fans and they, they're getting to work with one of their heroes and, and they they're loving every single minute of it. And they want to be with me forever, even though obviously we can't because we have to go separate ways to continue to grow. And and they certainly do, you know, to become featured players. And they will. They're they're going to be getting into their prime soon you know my job is just to to groom them and get them ready for that that prime time and also their run whenever they're going to be the aw world tag team champions are you ever concerned that one day things could turn around and they could pound that ass on you of course if you're in pro wrestling you always have to be concerned of that Mm. dta 
Don't ever trust nobody. Mm. As Stone Cold Steve Austin would say. And then Taz turned that around and said, don't trust Austin. I remember that. Uh, one of the few things that came out of 2001 that was pretty solid. So uh, outside of anything Hardy Boys oriented, of course. Um, and, you know, talking about last week's episode, the biggest way you can support this podcast, guys, you subscribe wherever you listen to it, whether that's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Matt Hardy brand on YouTube, and you leave that five-star review and some comments because Matt and I are going to be getting together next week and maybe we'll sign some stuff and get them shipped out to some people who can uh, leave those reviews and tweet at us at Matt Hardy pod, Matt. Yes. We want those King Kong Bundy five star reviews. I love it. I love it. You know, this past week I went down to a flea market and there was a big wrestling store there. Mm -hmm. And I picked up, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see this. First off, this was apropos of our episode this week. We are doing No Way Out 2000. This was 2001, but still a nice little No Way Out uh, Matt Hardy action figure. You scored and, at the flea market. Uh, oh, I scored. And she actually gave me a deal because she she knew I hosted the podcast. And then I got this, which made a lot of people jealous. The Ultimate <laughs> Insiders DVD. Those what things are fine. They're fine nowadays. Yeah, what do you remember about this DVD? Um, Wade, Wade Keller hosted it. Yeah, it was a, a deal with those guys. Uh, I, I remember we just did like a, a long form, serious interview, uh, just kind of about our career up to that time. And uh, we got a payday out of it. And I remember we we didn't get the royalties we were supposed to get to. So I, I, I do remember we got on, on the back end, we, we didn't get all the money we were supposed to get. Mm, so he Italian stallioned you. Uh, yeah, well, it wasn't him. It wasn't Wade. It was uh, so whoever the production company, whoever gotcha. they were. We got our original payday, and we were supposed to get constant uh, royalties going forward, and and those just faded away and classified themselves as obsolete. Big Vision Entertainment. Uh, it appears that it was that. Yes, that, that's um, who it was. So historic footage of Surge versus Willow the Wisp. So, uh, yeah, they they had some of our uh, some of our Omega and indie matches that were actually played mm -hmm. on there as like as exclusives. Well, we did an episode on Omega that's available as well in the archive. Uh, speaking of the action figure, what was that like when you saw your first action figure? I, I mean, that was cool. That's like uh, the realization of the dream. You know, whenever you are, when, whenever you're young and you're a fan and you have these dreams and aspirations of being a pro wrestler, I feel like you know you've made it when you're on a video game. When you have a T-shirt and then, you know, that a company makes. And then also when you have an action figure that the the action figure is almost like it, it is what totally reinforces it. And like you have made it. You are a damn pro wrestling television star at that point. How's it feel when you see your kids playing with any Matt Hardy or Jeff Hardy action figures? Uh, it's very cool. It's cool to see them play with the action figures. And on, on top of that, uh, what is so strange, they're so young. I, I feel like they think most people's dad has have action figures they don't understand how special and how unique it is that not only their dad has an action figure but also their their uncle or tio as they call him mm -hmm. well that's very cool gotta get them that michael hayes action figure too to round out the set see how things go there uh you had a busy week man people want your piss uh there's this reoccurring yeah. theme with matt hardy and urine it's just uh, strange it uh yeah they uh, you know if you watch the most recent BTE that aired last Monday you will see that the young bucks the EVPs of all elite wrestling ask for a urine sample because they wanted to drug test me uh, due to my erratic behavior but guys I, I hate to tell you there's there's no 
there's no substances involved at all. I mean, erratic behavior, it's just kind of a hardy trait. <laughs> Jumping barricades, leaving matches early, just runs in the family at this point. Okay, well, I, I did think it was a little weird that they like scooped the urine out of the toilet before it flushed. I thought that was a bit odd. I, they, they may use their own urine, you know, because you couldn't mm. see that. So I'm worried about that. You know, and those guys, they, they look like terrible drug users, the young bucks. So I, I hope they didn't, you know, submit their own urine and I failed the test. I hope that didn't happen. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that would just not be ideal at all. <laughs> um, well, you know, death taxes, another week of Jeff Hardy making news. He was announced as the third man for Conrad Thompson's Super yeah. Show Live with Jeff Jarrett and Eric Bischoff on WrestleMania weekend. How about that? You see, nothing is sacred anymore. You know, every time I do something, my brother has to mimic me. You know, <laughs> I get into the podcasting game, and now he is in the podcasting game. He's going to appear as the third man with uh, Conrad's team of Eric Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett. What's up with that, man? Man, there's going to be some good stories there. That's something that's going to be worth checking out. That's available on pay-per-view as well, supershowlive.com, WrestleMania weekend. Um, and then also that WrestleMania weekend, man, I mean, we found out this week, The Undertaker going into the Hall of Fame. Um, hopefully, hopefully we can talk long form about The Undertaker at some point, but yeah. it's got to feel pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, thinking of, the last 30 years, I mean, when you think of WWE, The Undertaker and WWE are synonymous, and no one deserves a Hall of Fame bid more than The Undertaker, obviously. Uh, so this is like a big deal. I really feel like Taker, he he wanted to, and, and I get it because I'm passionate. And I kind of feel the same. I want to get all that I can out of my body. I, I love pro wrestling. It's my passion. I enjoy it. And as long as I can do it, I would like to do it. And I know Taker was of that same mentality, and he was really just such a, a company guy through and through. You know, the the amount of times that he worked hurt or the amount of times that he like stepped up and, and did amazing stuff as the Undertaker, whether it was like from an angle perspective or from a match perspective, is just uncountable in WWE. And he really is like the heart and soul of WWE in many ways. So it's great to see him going in. I have learned so much from Undertaker the times I got to work with him. There were a couple of different occasions that I actually had like, you know, more extended programs with him. Myself and my brother, we did as the Hardy Boys, uh, kind of over the hardcore title for a little bit. And then I actually had a, a really decent angle as I was like a sub story with him and Brock whenever I was doing Matt Hardy version one. And I wrestled many, many times during that period. And it was such a great learning experience every single time. Yeah. And you guys had a cool little story in the 2002 Rumble with him too, which yeah. was which was fun. Should the streak have ended? Uh, you know, I mean, looking back, considering it was Brock and considering what Brock has done since then, it, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, you could have had the streak go on forever, but like at the end of the day, if he just retires with the streak, then like nobody gets anything out of it. At least Brock got something very substantial out of it. And then Brock, whether you love him or hate him, he's ended up being a huge player and uh, 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 like the draw recently with WWE, especially for people who aren't full timers, guys who come in and and make appearances and runs. And he's great at what he does. Brock is amazing at what he does. So I, I do not mind Brock ending the streak at all. Man, I've covered the NFL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, Daytona 500, Major League Baseball. I've never been in an arena or a stadium for an event like the moment the streak ended. It was unlike anything else I've ever experienced. And uh, totally, totally just something that's going to live with me forever as a consumer of product. So good stuff there. Congrats to Taker. And that brings us to No Way Out 2000, Matt. It is 
another part of this series that we started with the tag team ladder match in episode yeah. one. We did the Royal Rumble 2000, which was the inaugural tag team tables match. And now we are on the road to WrestleMania 2000 in the height of the hottest era in the history of professional wrestling. So as we do every single Friday, hit us with that Matt fact. Matt fact, Matt and Jeff's favorite opponents are ENC. ENC, of course, being Edge and Christian, who you faced at this pay-per-view, No Way Out 2000. And it's a pretty memorable show. Uh, as far as the main event goes. But getting up to this match, as was the tradition in this era of WWE, was a, a lot of convolution and a lot of moving parts. But we got there. So let's get into it, why don't we? So we talked about the Royal Rumble 2000, the tag team elimination tables match. You guys mm -hmm. uh, end up getting a title shot against the New Age Outlaws on Raw the very next night. And because it's the Attitude Era, it's full of disqualifications, and you lose via DQ. Um, the Dudleys before this tease that they earned your respect and you earned their respect, just like you guys had with Edge and Christian, a little homage to that. But uh, after things get cooking here, the Dudleys interfere and use the 3D on both of you. Terry's out there, begs them to stop. Devon is about to hit her Bubba Ray. Stops him, then power bombs her off the top rope through a table to write her off for a little bit. Uh, they played this up pretty big here. They do the whole stretcher job, all that stuff. I feel like this was routine on WWE TV at this time. Do you run the risk of saturating the big angle like that when you're doing the stretcher job or something dangerous of that nature? Yeah, I mean, uh, you definitely do. I mean, it, it's it's very easy to do too much of anything in, in pro wrestling. And yeah, it's so funny. You said there was a DQ for the finish of the match, and this was typical because it was the Attitude Era, and these things happen all the time. But I, I think it's even more than just Attitude Era. It's just WWE, and it's very much yes. their mindset. Like, if they decide, like, there's this team or this singles guy talent that we want to keep strong, they can't lose, let's just do a DQ. You know, and, and – it's cool that the wrestling culture has changed over the years. And I think wrestling fans are much more savvy and smart and intelligent and in the know nowadays, because they would rather see someone lose clean than a DQ because they get like a substantial finish. And as long as it is a good competitive match, uh, it really doesn't hurt either competitor. You know, if you, if you have a match and you lose cleanly, but you have a great match and a great effort and, and they can see the, they can see the, the 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 whole work and the story of the matches there. It's it's okay and it, and it doesn't hurt you. Or at least get some heat on the heels. Let them you know help the other heels cheat to win. Like if the Dudleys came out here and and help the Outlaws or cost you guys, that to me is more effective storytelling than DQ. I hate DQs. I think DQs are like the worst get out of jail free card in wrestling, and they're totally overused, and especially in WWE. But uh, that that time, it was really bad at that time in Attitude Era because you would get three and a half minute matches ending with DQs like routinely multiple times a night on Raw, and it's it's really been accentuated how much they do DQs because AEW typically doesn't do that. You know, it's very rare. There's only been an occasion or two that there's been a DQ in their three year history, and they've been very strategically placed, like in the midst of a storytelling and and angle scenario. I'm glad we're breaking this down because I get in arguments a lot of times with fans about DQs because they're like, oh, well, you know, DQ doesn't really hurt anybody. 
but it's such like a let the air out of the building kind of thing that happens. And it used to happen back in the 70s and the 80s all the time, too. Like this was something that would traditionally go on to get out of angles. But the way I look at it is if you book yourself into a corner where you rely on a DQ, why book the match in the first place? Do something else, especially when you have such a big roster to lean on. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. And, and I can see situations where they are, are beneficial as well. But but I, I, I definitely 100% agree with you that WWE overdoes DQs, without a doubt. And, and there are times where you could either put heat on the heels and have some other heels interfere, do whatever. Or you can just have a great kick-ass match where the babyface, like, valiantly overcomes the hill and and what they do. And then you can have the, the hill always do something to get heat on them after the fact, if you want to continue the story, you know, they're just done a lot of times for protection to keep people strong or to continue a story. But, but once again, I feel like fans are so knowledgeable about the wrestling product in 2022. They want to see a clean finish. They, they want to feel like they're being rewarded for watching this angle in the story and they, and they want to be paid a proper finish. Well, you know, it wasn't just WWE too. I mean, WCW was doing DQ finishes all the time, especially oh, at the end too. Without was, a doubt, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was brutal, especially as you get towards the end of WCW. It is just god awful in that sense. But and, you know, that was—I mean—a lot of that is probably a Vince Russo thing too. Uh, initially, as during the Attitude Era, and like in WCW at the end, anyway. You know, because he just he views wrestling very differently. Where it's just you know it, it's a it's a soap opera you know with men in it having fights is how Vince Russo sees it you know and he was looking to do a lot more uh, just where there's an angle to make people go whoa what is this about I want to check it out you know he it, it wasn't about the substance of like having a great quality wrestling match he was all 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 about the character and all about the angle and I mean there there is something to that the the characters and the story need to be strong you know it, they help the match but if you can have a great match in, in the confines of an amazing story and an amazing angle it uh it's a home run i think all right listen we're all adults here and i know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax focus or maybe even just unwind after a long day well i'm here to tell you that lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum lozenges and pouches for adults who are looking for the best most responsible way to consume their nicotine it's a new year 2020 right finally here why not start it out by switching to a new nicotine product they can feel good about? Now, I've had many family members over the years who had struggles switching from cigarettes, and I wish they had a product like this that would have made the process so much easier with so much versatility and dynamics in terms of different flavors and options. So if you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's lucy.co and use promo code party at checkout. Also, I have to read this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Remember, if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.co. Be sure to use that promo code, Hardy. Man, I saw a clip go viral on Twitter this past week. You're talking about Russo and that style of programming. It was the Fondle Me Elmo from Shotgun Saturday Night in 97 which was allegedly Todd Pettengill dressed as a giant Elmo caricature uh, having sex with Sonny. And between that and DQs, man, we were rocking and rolling. Oh, and there's more on this show that I will bring up that even though Vince Russo is gone at this point, 
boy, did his legacy live on throughout this company at that time. I mean, it, it's almost considering where we're at in the world and in society and like how strict society is, especially now that, you know, there's, you know, the whole cancel culture thing, you know, like if someone does something out of line, you look at some of these attitude era shows and it's just unreal. <laughs> the things that were happening. It's unbelievable. Like people, you, you look back and you go, Oh my God, what were they thinking doing that? Or, you know, how, how is this allowed to be on TV? It's, it's really shocking. I mean, the attitude era will always be remembered because of its just outrageousness. Were there ever times where, something was proposed to you and you did it. And in hindsight, you were like, man, I didn't feel good about that. Uh, no, not necessarily, but there was one thing I was very nervous about doing uh, that, that it didn't end up happening. Cause I was going to have a deal where I teamed with Mark Henry and we were actually, there were, there was talk of us working against Booker T and Rob Van Dam when they were the tag champs and actually winning the tag titles. But it was right towards the end of my Matt Hardy V one. And I was, the whole story, what was pitched to me from Vince and creative was that I was almost going to go to Mark Henry and like him being black, I had a lot in common with me having Mattitude because we were like both oppressed. And then like, Ooh. I called like a black person and, you know, it's like, because they knew at this time, like even when John Cena was doing raps, like we'd be on uh, international trips and we'd be, uh, you know, myself and John, we'd be freestyling back there and, and messing around the whole crew would as we were driving around. So, you know, they knew that I was a big rap fan and that I was like, you know, aware of all that stuff, but there was a point where I was almost going to, you know, start talking with more black slang. And then almost tell Mark Henry, like, you know, Mattitude is, is oppressed too, man. Like, we have that in common. And I was very uncomfortable with that then, you know, at that juncture. But obviously, Mark got hurt. And maybe it was a, a sign from the seven deities. Like, uh, it didn't happen at all. So that was something I was, I, was a little, I was a little worried about doing because it was something they were kind of uh, wanting me to start doing and, and pushing me into. Man, did you luck out on that one. That's... <laughs> And, and Mark Henry had to put up with a lot of shit, and we're going to talk about that <laughs> a little bit here. Um, he's he's come out for the better, thankfully. Um, so the next week after that happens, Edge and Christian face the Dudleys on Raw, and you guys come out, and with Edge and Christian's help, you guys put the Dudleys through some tables. There's a beautiful swanton from Jeff through Bubba. Yes. But then later in the night, because why sell, pal? Uh, you face Bubba, and he wins via DQ after you hit him with a chair. Uh, the Acolytes come down, and they have, for the first time, I believe, been hired as a protection agency to help the Dudleys. And Edge and Christian try to make the save. They're beaten down, and with the APA's help, the Dudleys stack tables. They lay you out on the top one and powerbomb Jeff through you. That looked like it sucked. Only, like, one of the tables broke, too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, that was in Pittsburgh. If, if memory I'd, I'd have to look on that one. Yes. But, but I, I remember it was like, we were very disappointed with crowd reaction once again. And I know that's going to be like a common theme of the show as we talk about the Connecticut crowd for no way out. But I, I do remember that angle and I was like, Oh my God, this is like such a crazy spot. Like people should really be going nuts for this, you know, but it was very, uh, subpar for the reaction we were hoping to get. So it, I, it was I, I, January 31st, 2000 at the Civic Center in Pitt, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Look at that. Look at that. Even though I've been hit with all these chair shots and been beat up for 30 years, my memory still serves me correct once more. The igloo, they used to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, you were talking about the APA being utilized as a, as a protection company, obviously. I thought that was really good utilization 
uh, of the APA. I thought, you know, not having them in the ring, having matches, making them, you know, more of a, a novelty act and, and doing that protection thing. I mean, that fit their characters so good. And I thought that was a great way to, to kind of build new stories with those guys as well. I, I liked when they were doing that during this period of time. Yeah. And they turned into great baby faces off of that too. The, yeah. Those backstage segments with them in, in the, the little setup, they had the little office where even though everyone knew there were no walls, you still had to knock on the door to go yeah. through. That was, that was a lot of fun stuff there. Hopefully we can do more. Both, both very entertaining guys, you know, and, and, and like, you know, Ron Simmons is like, you know, one of the most badass athletes you will ever run into, you know, just so incredibly strong and explosive, obviously a legit athlete. Everyone knows this, you know, uh, he's a Heisman trophy winner or candidate, whatever it was. Florida uh, state. Yeah. With football. Uh, so he's obviously a badass athlete, but just, uh, it, it was great working with him, but he was one of those guys like, well, I don't want to piss this guy off because I don't want to have to go legit with this guy because you know, he, he is a, he's a machine. He just, did, Brad, this, he just did the, uh, Steve Austin show on Peacock. Uh huh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Really yeah, I, I did see that. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. But and, and then uh, Bradshaw was just such an entertaining personality. Like regardless of whether you love Bradshaw or hate him, uh, because of the stories you've heard about him, no one is more of an entertaining personality uh, than than JBL. He he really is. Even if you're talking to him in real life, he's just such a a charming, magnetic, charis- charismatic guy. Whenever he's doing it, telling a story. At this time, it's pretty crazy that there's so many moving parts in the tag team scene because that's four teams in one segment right there then you throw in the fact that too cool is white hot at this time they're heating the hollies up a little bit you got the new age outlaws that we just talked about the tag team scene is crazy here and we're finding ways to incorporate all of them were you guys aware of that at the time that like, did was there any sense of gratification that all of you were being used at once? Uh, I, I feel like we were maybe used to it, so maybe we didn't think about it as much as we would later on down the road. You know, when tag team wrestling wasn't getting as much love, but we were utilized really good. And and I w- I will say this for like Vince Russo and Ed Ferrar, they really worked hard to make sure everyone had a story up and down the card, regardless of kind of what what your placement was in the hierarchy of roster. Uh, they they would try and have something for for everyone, and they would try to make everyone entertaining. If people like characters or story, which was great, which added so much in the big scheme of things, especially as we you know kind of uh, digested WCW and ECW, and then WWE was the only thing left. That didn't happen as much, you know, after you get past two thousand two, two thousand three. You know, it, it was more like not everyone always had a story, not everyone had an angle. But I feel like during that time, they were really good about it. And the tag team division got so much love. So maybe we were spoiled for those first few years, but they they did a really good job of like getting everyone involved in something, some sort of story. And it kept all the tag teams over as well. Tag team wrestling and and tag teams were really over at that time. And it's not like you're having barn burner matches or anything like on the regular. A lot of times you're only given four and a half minutes to work on TV, but you're in there. And this is even after Russo and Ferrara are gone. So the carryover effect from what they started in that I, I'm with you. I think that deserves some credit. Yeah. And, and, and also there was, I remember hearing back then, like, you know, we, we probably didn't agree with it, you know, because we want to go out and like have a, a good pay-per-view quality match, especially when we're young and healthy and rare and go, but you know, they would say on television, there are, you know, the longer matches go, like the numbers go down, 
there, there was some sort of statistic they looked from looking at the numbers. And I feel like that has definitely changed over time, especially time. in the course of the last two decades. People would much rather see a match than uh, an in-ring promo or whatever kind of gimmicky segment, you know, because that is that was their bread and butter then. And that's what they were that's what they were mainly doing big numbers off of. So that, that's what they stuck to. They kept the matches short and kept the character development long. And on the converse of that, if you like look at the quarterlies for AEW, if there's a really big match that's advertised, a lot of times if you look at the minute breakdowns, you'll see the audience go up about halfway through the match because they know that they're going to get a good match and they want to see how the finish is going to play out. So I think the culture has shifted yeah. in that sense. It, it definitely has. I mean, uh, a great example is the Hangman Adam Page, uh, Brian Danielson, our draw they had just recently. Uh, if you look at those quarters, it, it, the, the match goes up the whole while. Yeah. You know, I was re- I was really curious of how those ratings were going to look from a viewership standpoint. And they really did. They continued to to rise throughout the, the hour-long match. And that's 60 minutes of pro wrestling. Yeah, and it, my, my, that blows my wife away. She's like, I, I could never. I would rather have <laughs> stuff in my eyes and watch a sixty-minute match. I can't, you know, I can't believe that people are, are so tuned in on that. And I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, there's obviously uh, a zillion channels out there, and you know, wrestling still does great numbers because it's always in the top few shows of, of television on whatever evening it's on. I mean, we are at the the diehard base right now, and in that base, they love their pro wrestling, especially good pro wrestling, and I think that number really reinforces that yeah um going back to this match here for a quick second quick two and a half minute match with you and bubba where you just smack him over the head with steel chairs i feel like every time i watch a dudley's match it's bubba that is taking these vicious chair shots to the head was that something he volunteered for oh yeah yeah i mean that's i feel like bubba he's like if you really want him to sell big you got to hit him with a chair over the head (laughs) you know he he had he, he was keeping himself strong brother uh, you know, he was the, he was the heater in the Dudley. So yeah, that, that was like his gig. He's like, well, just give me a chair shot. I feel like with Bubba, that was kind of like his go-to. He would just do that, you know, as far as like, especially if he had to be in a, a position to sell a lot, Yeah, uh, a chair shot is what he would, he would offer up to, to get him to sell. Well, the Dudleys then start to get some wins on the Hardy boys. You actually lose five out of six house show matches to them. Yeah. And it got me thinking when I was looking at all that and you can rationalize it for me. Why does this make sense after you guys beat them clean in this Royal Rumble tag team elimination match, this tables match? Why does it make sense that all of a sudden they're the team that's heated up out of that? I mean, it, it's very simple. We were so over at that time, like we we didn't need those. I mean, they're house show matches. And, and really, especially then, John, they just didn't matter. They were irrelevant to WWE. I mean, obviously now... They're looked at as a lot more important every single show, every single match, but then they, they didn't matter. I mean, you know, we would do, you know, kind of like the same outline of a match every single night. And then the Dudleys needed, needed to win more than the Hardys did. The Hardys were really over and like uh, a, a loss didn't hurt us. It never hurt us. That's why, you know, we didn't even win some of the bigger matches. I feel like we should have won or I wish we would have won because they had the mentality of like, well, they're, they're bulletproof. Man, Jeff Hardy is, have almost always been known as being bulletproof or, or Teflon as far as pro wrestling goes. And the Dudleys just needed those wins more than we did on the house show. It, it helped them a lot more than it would have helped us. If you want to get some perspective at just how hot these house shows were, I sent you this clip. But 
we talked about on our Rumble episode, you guys faced the outlaws at a sold out Meadowlands show the week before the Rumble. And I found the video from that match. And it's on YouTube. It's from like January 16, 2000. And it's 18 and a half thousand people at the Continental Airlines Arena going nuts for you walking through a small little tunnel at Hausha. It's It's just totally unlike anything that we see today in wrestling. It's not even in the same stratosphere. I mean, it, it it was amazing when we first started and we were on the road. I mean, it was 10 nights on and four days off. That was like our schedule. And every single night we're at a house show, there would be, it would be full. I mean, if it was an 18,000 seat venue, there'd be 18,000 people there, whether it was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, or Saturday or Sunday, regardless of what the day was, just every single night was sold out. I remember the first time we were in Vancouver in British Columbia, and this was, uh, Right around the time, like WCW was folding, uh, or it it had uh, it had folded, and and we acquired it. And I remember business slowed down a, a lot at that time. And we went to a Vancouver house show, and it was like half full. I mean, there were still nine or ten thousand people there, <laughs> a, t- a ton of people in the big scheme of things. But I remember going like, "Oh my god, like the world is ending." You <laughs> we're know, screwed. That, we're you know, going we're, out. <laughs> we're done. You know, like because I, I had never lived through one of those yeah. periods in a big business, you know, in a WB where, you know, house show business had been down or whatever. I mean, it had been a sellout every single night, you know, virtually for three or four years at that point. So that, that was a, that was a big shocking moment that Vancouver British Columbia house show where it was like, you know, 50% full was like, Whoa, what is going on here? Is it, is, is it over? Is WB shutting down too now? You know? So that was a big eye opener. Do the boys feel that way when they see something like that happen at that time? Uh, I, I don't know. Probably the guys who've been around and who had done shows that weren't sold out. I mean, they they knew it's just like kind of cyclic in business, yeah. and sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. It's uh, I feel like business and your career is almost like a cosine curve. You know, it, you go up and you go down, and then you're back up and down. And and the most important thing is to stay just consistent and just remember when. You know, you're on one of those down periods. It's not going to last forever. Just keep busting your ass, keep working hard, and and you'll come back around and you'll get into something good again. They're the best four words that any man could hear. I knew you'd come. <laughs> Are you looking to take your gimmick from broken to woken? Well, lucky for you, this episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy is brought to you by Blue Chew. I know a lot of wrestling fans have plenty of bravado when it comes to sharing opinions on Twitter. But what about when it comes to stepping up to the plate in the bedroom? That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. But it comes in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Now, if you're like me and you're always on the road or you're at work at different hours every day, no problem. You can take them on a moment's notice. And then what do you know? Things are about to get extreme. And the process is incredibly easy. Sign up at BlueChew.com and consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And all those confidence problems will soon become obsolete. The best part is it's all done online. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. 
and you can spend your free time creating poetry in motion rather than having awkward conversations about your ladder breaking before you can get it set up. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. House Hardy has grown in size quite a bit over the years. That's because I know the importance of taking the twist of fate into your own hands rather than letting yourself become a whisper in the wind. V1 of your sex life may not have been great, but V2 can be. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you have our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code HARDY to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring our podcast. On February 3rd, this rocks the world. Vince McMahon announces the launch of the XFL. (laughs) Here we are 22 years later, and we're still talking about the XFL for the third time. What is the reaction like in the locker room at this time? Because business is super hot. It's your most profitable year ever to this point. And now here's Vince McMahon, who is already spread very thin as is, still competing against WCW and ECW. Mm -hmm. And he's ready to start up a rival football league to the NFL. Is there concern at all for what this could mean for your guys' business or operations? Yeah, I mean, the, the locker room was definitely worried about it. Uh, and, and they were worried about it just cutting into our money, our profits. Are they going to take, you know, part of our money, part of the WWE chunk of change and, and put into the XFL? Are we going to lose money? And, and we, we I feel like we did. I feel like we just didn't get paid as much. It's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, it, 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 you're almost going to become like uh, just uh, – uh, you almost become a, a victim just out of circumstance. As crazy as that sounds like there, are, obviously Vince is taking all this money, you know, he's claiming it's not going to be from WWE, you know, but like all this money to start up this project, the XFL, you know, and, and just, I know people were worried about it because I, I know we just all watch and like, I feel like house show paydays like went down by a couple hundred bucks and just, I, everyone was aware of like, Oh, it's the XFL. It's cutting in our, it's cutting in our, our money. It's cutting in our money. You know, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be the ones who pay for this when it's all said and done. And I don't know, maybe that's, you know, paranoia, maybe just business structures change, business models change, whatever. But, but I do know there was a sense that guys felt like we were being paid a little less. They were skimming a couple hundred bucks off house show payoffs, whatever it may be. But I do know there was a, a, a feeling overall that like, oh my God, like this is going to cut into to WWE money and ultimately the talent are going to pay for it. What did you make of the XFL product? I I don't know. I just didn't. I, I really didn't care about it. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was like, I, I guess this is this is cool. You know, it's, it's football. I mean, I I was so busy just yeah. with life and just with what I was doing as far as working nonstop at that time. You know, but like the XFL, it was cool. But I just I just didn't really care. You know, I just didn't want to to affect the amount of money I was making. You know, with WWE because we were still busting our ass working all the time, nonstop at, at that point too. So I just didn't want it to affect uh, my WWE pay at all. The Hardy boys were waiting for the uh, XBL, the baseball league, where you could <laughs> hit it, the yeah. shortstop third base combo That's of it, Matt man. and Jeff. 
That's what they're yeah. looking for. The WBF, the XFL, just oh my god! Like just just do wrestling, Vince. Come on, man. You're great at wrestling. Let's just stick to wrestling, Vince. He almost bought the Minnesota Vikings at one point too. I know, yeah. So it was, He's always yeah. looking to uh, to expand. I guess he he is a, he is a, a a big money Vince. He's a businessman. He's looking for many uh, many avenues. He's the total entrepreneur. That's the easiest character inspiration you ever could need, man. Just one meeting and you got all the inspiration. So, yeah. February seventh, the Dudleys defeat another tag team, the Godfather and D'Lo Brown. And the Dudleys decide that they want to put Barbara Bush EMT through a table. And you guys and Edge and Christian make the save. Any Barbara Bush memories? Not really. That was a, that was a very, very, very short run with her being there. So, so nothing, no real standout memories okay. about, about Barbara Bush. Didn't think there were, but just felt yeah. like it was my journalistic duty to ask. Of course, yeah, you never know. <laughs> Um, it, there's this weird dynamic going on at this point with you guys and Edge and Christian. There's like an unspoken alliance, but it's it's over, right? Like people are into you guys being this foursome in a way. Yeah, but but they have their favorites between you two teams as well. Um, was there any concern that breaking that up could hurt either team? I don't think we thought breaking the teams apart, uh, you know, like whatever our mutual admiration society between the two teams. I don't think we thought that would hurt anything, but but we thought it could be hugely beneficial. And I know I we talked about this after that, you know, first tag team ladder match. Like I'd pu- push to have us together, like as a group or as a faction, because people really dug all of us together. And we were, you know, four young guys who were on the same page. We were all great friends. We traveled together pretty often as well you know so like there would have been great chemistry there with the four of us doing stuff and i think it would have been great for building personality and character for all of us if we had worked together for a while and you know we even pitched kind of to do something against dx at some point but i think dx they they probably they probably put their thumb on that and i don't know these young guys are getting a little you know they're 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 getting a little out of their league like just stay stay in your lane guys do your thing You, you guys are good tag team wrestlers but I don't. I don't think it was an issue to separate us. I think it would have been cool to try and put us together as a faction and see if we would have been successful together, and and if that would have been a, a good thing for all four of us. But like, I'm I'm pretty sure at the time we did this no way out match, we knew that because they were starting to to speak a lot more, and Vince was very behind their characters and their personality, and uh, that Edge and Christian, it was the, it was the right call at that point at least to kind of have them do their own thing and start really establishing them as their own unique characters and as, and, and, uh, you know, eventually Hills. Would you make a Godfather around this time? He was so over. I, I mean, the dude comes out, takes a seven minute ring entrance again there with all the hose and works a yeah. two minute match. What a gig. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, now being an older competitor, he's someone to look back at and go like, oh, he was a smart dude. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he would, he would really go hard with the character and he would, uh, have short matches and do what he was good at and keep it very simple. And that is like one of the themes, you know, I, I, I feel like I tried to learn at that time, you know, if we were going to have like a match with a whole bunch of crazy intricate spots in it and do it with like Edge and Christian guys who can do it. But if you're working with older guys or guys who are limited, even like a Steve Blackman, keep it pretty simple, keep it simple and, and, uh, and, and, and don't complicate things. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you said to me how great I was at transitions. That was a hell of a transition by you. Because that takes us to February 8th, the SmackDown taping. It airs February 10th. 
Oi, howdy. Steve Blackman and Al Snow, collectively known as Head Cheese, beat you guys in five minutes and three seconds when the Dudleys distract you guys and Head Cheese used the old demolition finisher and Al Snow pins Jeff. Uh, they later announced, and you could see it if you're watching the match, that Jeff suffered a pretty bad cut near his eye and that Matt suffered a separated shoulder in the match. Let's let's walk through this, because when you and I were doing our pre-production meeting for this, you said that you had some memories of this. Um, two pretty physical workers there in Al Snow and especially Steve Blackman. You guys are taking the loss here. What do you make of it? I mean, we 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 really never overly thought about it if we did lose because it wasn't a big deal. It really wouldn't hurt us because we were pretty bulletproof at that point. Um, it's funny because you were watching the match and 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 I want to thank you, John, because you hooked me up with the the timestamp and everything else so I could go watch the match. And I did. I went back and watched it even though I got in super late after a, a three hour delayed flight and having to drive an hour. Uh, when do you think I injured my shoulder and collarbone? So. I gave you like a two minute time period where I thought, yeah. was I right in that time period where yeah. uh, I, th- I think so. I think you're yeah. in the right. Period. I know the exact moment it happened now that looking back at the match, there were a couple spots where I thought it could, you got thrown to the outside hard a couple times. There was a spot you did on the stairs where it looked like it might've happened. And then there was a flying headbutt that Blackman did where he hit you really stiff. So I, I thought it was one of those moments. Am I correct in any of that or no? No, it was uh, it was when I was going to give him a crucifix and how he dropped me there. Like whenever I was hooked on. The oh, crucifix. when you went to the and you went through the crucifix pin and, and he like yeah. fell back on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, mm. That's 100 percent where it happened. Uh, and, and we once again, uh, not overly complicating things like now, even for me, I'm an old guy. I try and keep things a little more simple whenever I have matches. But like uh, with Steve, because he wasn't, you know, and the ultimate worker when it became you know when it came to the ring anyway like there was that moment where i go to shoot him and you see me hit the ropes and i'm like spinning obviously i know whenever that happens i turn it's supposed to be a reversal when he lets go you know there's no reversal and i'm pretty sure it was going to be a deal where i go to shoot him in he hits the rope he comes back with the kick duck and then there's the crucifix and he didn't do the reversal and we still ducked the kick and then i still went to the crucifix but i think we're just on different pages and then i got dropped and I remember it was a – I had a, a slightly separated collarbone. Oof. I think it was more collarbone than shoulder. But you can see my right arm after that crucifix. I'm holding it in every time I bump. And and it was very annoying. And, and I feel like, too, I even only took a couple weeks off for that. And then I was right back in the mix. I mean, obviously, WrestleMania was coming up, and everybody knows the performance I did at the, you know, in the, the triple threat ladder match. But, yes, that is the moment it happened whenever we did the crucifix and – we just landed in a real wonky way, and just the way my shoulders hit whenever the bump, I, I didn't land flat, and uh, it dislocated my collarbone. Isn't, isn't it funny though? Like I just suggested, these three other much more violent things that happened in that match, and yet it was something as simple as him just kind of falling yeah. on you, taking a crucifix pin that created uh, an injury like that. And yeah, you can see later in the match when you're making the hot tag to Jeff, like you're in pain and. You kind of yeah, I mean, just stay in the ring after you make the tag, and it looks you, like you, it can, you can watch every time I bump because I'm like still busting my ass out there working. But you can see my arm is you know up against my body every time I'm doing it. I'm like trying to brace it. It's like I'm wearing an invisible sling. I'm like you know just slinging my own arm and still bumping and 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 working because I could tell it was I could tell it was injured and hurt. Yeah, and Jeff 
Jeff got it pretty bad too with that laceration above his eye. Uh, what were your thoughts as, on? As, as they say, it's not ballet. It is not. Uh, what were your thoughts on Head Cheese as a unit? They were kind of a comedy tag team, and you know, my gut just says we're probably not going to spend a ton of time talking about Al Snow and Steve Blackman in the future. So I may as well ask you about it now. Yeah, they they uh, they were really over. You know, I, around that time, there were points where they were really over and their vignettes worked well for them. They were such a great odd couple. I, I remember whenever we would work with them, we were like, oh, it was all, always a little like, oh, it's head cheese. It's like this is going to be, you know, a tougher matchup, especially coming off working with an Edge or Christian or a Too Cool or the Dudleys, which was just you know, super fun and super exciting to to go have a match with these guys. Whenever you knew it was going to be like a head cheese, it's like, oh, okay, well, we really got to think this thing through and, you know, we really got to work hard and, you know, make sure everybody is on the same page. We've all heard the saying, right? New year, new me. Sometimes you set your resolution high, like maybe buying a new car or a new house. Others... They just want to try to eat healthy. So I'm here to tell you about a great way that you can do that. I'm, of course, talking about Magic Spoon. You see, growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, but I knew that I kind of had to give all that up when I realized how much sugar and junk that you really shouldn't be putting into your body. Here's the good news. Magic Spoon changes the game in that regard. Zero grams of sugar. 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's only 140 calories per serving as well. And I know we're about all the trends. It's keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free, and low carb. Beauty is it also comes in a variety pack. If you want four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter, it's all summoning to those great foods of your youth. It tastes exactly like it, but it's super nutritious. All you got to do to get your hands on this stuff, go to magicspoon.com forward slash party to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code hardy at checkout. You get to save $5 off of your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in its product that it's all backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason... They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash hardy and use the code hardy to save $5 off. And we thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. So next week on Raw, this is about six days after, because again, SmackDown was pre-taped at the time. Uh, we have a triple threat match to determine the number one contenders at No Way Out, and it's between Edge, Devon, and Jeff. So before we even get into the match, is that because you were hurt and you couldn't work that, or was it always the plan to do a singles triple threat match? Yes, it was specifically because I was hurt, yes. Interesting. So there would have been a standard triple threat match on TV between For the, the three teams? Contender, I, I think so, yeah. Gotcha. So a little bit of an audible is called here. Um, but it's a good match. I, I, I liked it for what it was. Three real good workers in it, obviously. Um, it is between Devon, Edge, and Jeff. Edge is going for Devon with a spear for the finish, but Devon moves and Edge spears Jeff. So Devon pins Edge. The Dudleys qualify to face the Outlaws for the titles. And you guys have a confrontation with Edge and Christian. I really like this. A lot of moving 
parts here, but I thought it was very effectively done in those damn Dudleys kind of got themselves in the weeds and got out of Dodge with the number one contenders match. I really like the execution here. It, it was done pretty well. Like looking back over this whole angle, like leading to this match and the Dudleys becoming the, the world tag team champions. And, and even the story of, of Terry about her going through the table earlier on. So now it's like, we're not protecting, you know, who's supposed to be our, our girl, our valet in Terry. And then she hires the APA supposedly hires the APA to protect her which makes sense. And then ultimately they end up doing, doing stuff to myself and my brothers. Well, I, I actually enjoyed all those parts of the story. Let's talk about Devon for a second. He just had surgery uh, yeah. to repair his back. What'd you make of all that? Uh, it's so funny. I just got a text back. I texted him this morning and I just got one right now. Uh, I, I do know he had several layers f- fused together. I want to say four. So that will officially keep him uh, out of the wrestling ring. So I, I guess all six of the people are back off the table now. For a little while, when Edge and Christian came back, we had all six of the original TLC players on the table. But, um, yeah, he he just said he's doing okay. Uh, thanks for the text, boss. I'm hanging in there. It's been rough. Had a little setback, but I'm okay. Thank you. He said, I'm healing up. I'll keep you updated. So I, I guess Devon is doing all right. It, uh, it seems like he had, had been in pain. It had been bothering him for quite a while. So I guess he just uh, you know went ahead and bit the bullet and went ahead and had the surgery and got it done. I got to know Devon a little bit when I was in Orlando because I did some stories at his training school. Mm-hmm. And I just thought Devon was such a nice guy. He's, and, just, uh, he's a sweetheart. And I hate seeing anyone going through rough stuff like that. And I know he didn't. he's talked about this. He didn't quite get the ending of his career <laughs> that he wanted to. I right. think he had a very similar case to what you had with Vince, where Vince kind of viewed him as a producer, and that was going to be his role. But yeah. you said, "No, I'm going to leave," whereas Devon <laughs> chose to stay there. Uh, just an interesting little parallel. Yeah, very much. I mean, that's that's. I mean, Vince has this thing with age, man. You know, he's like, nobody wants to see me on camera. I'm old. Damn it. You know, like, and once you get to a certain age, he just, he, he just. I mean, he gets it, and the TV product does have to be young especially if you're looking for that demographic that is the moneymaker. I mean, it does, it does have to be young to a degree, but there are roles you can put older veteran, you know, legendary talent in, you know, if, if you do it smartly and wisely. Did, I think Tony Khan's a good example of that. Did you see the Dudleys return to Raw back in 2015? I did, yes. What'd you make of that response that they got? Because that kind of laid the groundwork for the response you guys would get at WrestleMania. It like kind of proved like, hey, yeah. these guys are still super over if we put them back on TV. Yeah, I mean, it, it's great. I mean, it, definitely there's always going to be the, those nostalgic reactions, especially, you know, when we came up and became stars during the, the whole Attitude Era. And that, that was such a special time in wrestling when it was, you know, possibly the most popular it's ever been in the big scheme of things, you know, by looking at, TV ratings and uh, merchandise sales. You know, obviously wrestling is popular now in a very different way, though. But as far as the reaction they got, I, I knew it was good. It's just it's always interesting to see how WWE follows through with someone like that. You know, you you, you never know when when you go there, you kind of never know what you're going to get. Whenever we went back, I knew we were going to be utilized to help build talent as well. But I was like, okay, well, if we go back. We should get some really cool moments. And, you know, maybe I can do the whole Broken Mount Hardy thing. That was kind of my my goal to try and do that on their television as well. Something that I'd created in a promotion far, far away. You know, and I got to do all those things. So when it was all said and done, I wanted to go back and leave WWE as a good employee. 
you know, and just say that like, yeah, he, he came and for three years he kicked ass, you know, and he was just the model employee and he was so great to work with. And that is what I got out of that. And I, I knew it was just time to move almost when you're an older act. I feel like you almost kind of have to know when you have to stick and move, you have to change constantly to, to stay fresh, especially if you can't work in the ring like you did 20 or 25 years ago. Well, I'm really glad to hear that Devon is doing well after that surgery. So that's good shout stuff out to there. Devon guys. Send your love to Devon Dudley. Absolutely. Uh, some of his students are killing it right now, especially in NXT. Got some talent there. So good mm-hmm. stuff. Um, also on this edition of Raw, because I told you I would reference it earlier. <laughs> Mark Henry and Mae Young have sex with edible underpants, to which Henry shouts, Tutti Fruity. Just a quick little reminder there, Matt. That there ha- I mean, it, you, you can never say uh, Mark Henry wasn't a... Uh, good for whatever <laughs> because he was always down for whatever he he was he was a company guy down for down for whatever and definitely along for the ride and he would he would be all in on things and as you said on our royal rumble 2000 episode available in the archives may young filthy disgusting individual <laughs> so there's a lot of a lot a lot to uh, as my boss would say unpack there yes indeed so Because this is the hottest time in the history of the industry, the next week is at the Georgia Dome. More than 25,000 paid in the building. Mm -hmm. You guys team with Edge and Christian, so you get that little V1 uh, faction to beat the Outlaws and the Dudleys. Uh, Dave Meltzer says in the Wrestling Observer, it's a really good match. Jeff Hardy knocked the hell out of a cameraman at ringside and took some unreal bumps. Both teams ended up turning on each other. Bubba hit Gunn with a chair and Jeff pinned Gunn with a senton bomb. Edge was mad because he didn't get the pin. Again, in my opinion, man, good way to get this story cooking on multiple layers here. Everyone mm-hmm. gets a little something out of it, and you're doing it in front of a massive stadium. I imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but being from the South, wrestling in a venue like the Georgia Dome with all the history there, that had to be pretty special. Yeah, that, that was that was always a cool venue to wrestle in, without a doubt. And I remember we were always excited to be in the South because it's like a just a hot crowd. It's just a much more, you know, they, they at that point they just didn't act as smart as like a Connecticut crowd or a, a Pennsylvania crowd or an Ohio crowd. You know, they they were there to have a great time and they wanted to have fun. And that was one of the things why all the guys loved wrestling in the South in that period of time. Isn't it crazy that a venue like the Georgia Dome is booking both WWF and WCW, and both of them are selling this thing out? Even though it's the same place that Goldberg beat Hulk Hogan clean. Yeah, It's just such a bygone era. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, it it was fantastic. It was fantastic to be there. I mean, the... You know, almost the only thing I can think of that even comes close to that as far as being like a massive show, like kind of a, a, a one-time standout event is uh, the thing we did at Arthur Ashe with AAW. I mean, that was huge where we had over twenty, almost 22,000 people there, which was badass. That was the coolest venue I've ever been to for a wrestling yeah. show, ever. Not yeah. even close. It was so cool. The sight lines were amazing, Fred. I hope that becomes a yearly thing for AEW because... Um, that was when Adam Cole made his entrance in that, the way the acoustics are set up in that building, wild. Um, so it gets us to the pay-per-view, Matt. Here we go. February 27th, 2000, 
the Hartford Civic Center. Forewarning to everyone from this point out on this podcast. Matt and I both have biases against the state of Connecticut. Um, I went to college in the state of Connecticut at Quinnipiac University. Um, I, I, I used to call it uh, patheticate. And uh, it's nothing against the people of Connecticut. It's just a lot of trees and a two-way, two-lane highway. That's it. And Matt, as we take this, you're in Connecticut for AEW. I am. So correct. I am. Uh, I am one exit down from uh, the uh, old WWE headquarters. Did you see the building on the way there? Uh, no, it's uh, the remainder of my drive to mm-hmm. Dynamite today. So I'll, I'll drive past it. Then. See, we'll you'll pass it. Sarah McLaughlin music will start playing in your head. Everything gets very slow and nostalgic. My walk, in, my walk in until Vince was up. <laughs> See how that goes over. Yeah, um, tell him you got the drug test results back. Can uh, they better happen today? The young guys. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking forward to getting my my negative drug test back. And maybe there's a spot for you in WWE if the drug test comes back positive. So <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe so. Sellout crowd, 12,551 people paying $451,625 and another $97,126 in merchandise. So as is the theme on these Attitude Era shows we covered, just absolutely insane business going on here. Uh, From The Observer, there were a few late changes in the show due to injuries. Billy Gunn suffered a ligament tear in his rotator cuff and further rotator cuff damage five days before the show and needed surgery from his match in Nashville with Bubba Ray. He came back to drop the belts and do the angle to tell a story as to why he was injured and needed surgery. Man, that just, that must suck. Uh, Having to hurt your rotator cuff, then hurt it further. And then I think it says a lot of credit to him, or at least it was the mentality at the time, come back and do business the right way. Yeah, it's weird. You know, that's something now that was like a very common thing when we first started, you know, throughout the Attitude Era, and it was a little more Wild Wild West. When guys were hurt and they were going to have surgery, usually, especially if they had a title, they would like come in and and drop the title or they would put somebody over and kind of wrestle through the mat with the injury and then go have their surgery, which, you know, now that times have changed and we're a little more with it, you know, they, they, we don't allow guys to go out there and wrestle hurt and do further damage to themselves. But that was a very common thing back then. That's just kind of how the business was. And they, they would say, suck it up and go, you know? So it, 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 kudos to Billy. I mean, kudos for him doing that, especially because he was in the position where they were the tag team champions and he was able to go out there and willing to go out there and actually drop the title. So you actually had a legit title changes instead of them forfeiting the titles and having the Dudleys win them from somebody else in a match to determine the new champions. Well, that's what happens with them. The Dudleys win the WWF tag titles for the first time mm-hmm. in their WWF run. The fans in Hartford were actually pretty hot for this match. They're chanting ECW real loud. Uh, Road Dog does most of the work in this for reasons we just discussed. Dave liked the match, gave it two and a half stars, and they hit the 3D on Road Dog for the win. And they get a pretty big babyface reaction because it's a title change and it's the Dudleys winning their first championship. It feels like, Matt, the Dudleys are really starting to catch some steam here. Did you guys recognize that? I mean, they, they were. They They had been pretty hot since our uh, tag team tables match, you know, and then especially once they were putting uh, chicks through tables, 
that was like a cool deal that, uh, you know, people, people dug that. And once again, it goes back to the whole thing with Connecticut, like in some ways, you know, outsmarting themselves, you know, almost to like saying like, check us out. We're super smart. We're wrestling fans in Connecticut uh, because like they're chanting ECW and chanting for the Dudleys who are Hills where it's cool for them. And I get that, especially in this day and this age, you know, but it was always great when you had a crowd that was like, into whatever story you're telling and they were going you know they, they were going to follow the action if the dudleys are the bad guys and they do these awful evil things they're they're going to boo them or you know they're going to react accordingly you know once again in connecticut oh yeah these these are ecw guys yeah now they're kicking ass in wb2 and they're winning the championships hell yeah man this is so cool i'm glad bubba ray and devon you guys have succeeded hell yeah man you guys are fighting and you're doing it you know it's almost like they're too smart for their own good in some ways you know, that's the reaction they're giving them. And sometimes even when you'd have other guys that may not have had as compelling of uh, a story that they're working within, which is just I'm going to specifically outright say our match, you know, Matt and Jeff Hardy versus Edge and Christian. I watched this match back and we were like busting our asses and we gave them like a hell of a match. I mean, it truly was a, a pay-per-view matchup and just the crowd was just so subdued during this match. Like, oh, my God, like stop being Connecticut. <laughs> So I think one of the most important things that you can possibly do is get a good night's sleep. And science tells us that the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. Temperature controlled sleep, well that restores testosterone levels, repairs muscles after a hard day's work, and improves cognitive function so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. So I want to tell you about Chili Sleep. Now, Chili Sleep makes customizable climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube sleep systems hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. You ever feel uncomfortable at night because it's too cool or too hot? That is no longer a problem. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or you sleep cold. Now, these sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day no matter what stands in your way. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. I know that seems like a crazy concept, but chilly sleep can very much help make that happen. For an extra layer of comfort, they also make the Chili Blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Now, if you know me and you've been following me for years, I'm always tweeting about it and putting on social, I do not sleep well. At least, I didn't sleep well until I started using Chili Sleep products. These things help you get comfortable. I'm always tossing and turning not anymore. So head over to chilisleep.com forward slash hardy to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast listeners and only for a limited time. That is chilisleep.com forward slash hardy to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every single day. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I. The Dudleys came in only a few months prior to this, back in the late summer of 99, and yet here they are just a few months later as tag team champions. What was the reaction backstage to that? There's a lot of tag teams that have been there a while and maybe haven't had that opportunity to be tag champs, but here these guys are coming in and winning the belts. 
I mean, they, they were cool with everyone. And I think people felt like they had paid their dues to a degree. I mean, they worked with the APA and they, they got their ass beat by, by John and Ron several times, right from the jump. I mean, they tested them to make sure they were going to like, you know, be able to exist in the WWE, WWE locker room. And, and they did. And, and I think that the tables match we had, there was respect for them. And we were working with them at edge and Christian on the road nonstop at that point. So they, uh, they, they were accepted by the locker room. Everybody was cool with them winning. All right, let's get to your match. Number one contenders match, you guys versus Edge and Christian. Uh, right at the start, Edge goes right after Jeff. Uh, the bell just rings and he goes right after him. Edge avoids the corkscrew moonsault from Jeff. And I actually thought that was really cool because you just said you guys have had so many matches, including yeah. on TV. And I think it's nice layered storytelling that Edge has scouted Jeff. He has seen him so much. He knows immediately that Jeff is going to go for something like that, and he knows it's coming, and he drops down. I thought that was really good storytelling. Did Was that something you guys put together with that layered, nuanced storytelling in mind? Yeah, I mean, we should know each other better than any other opponent at this point because we have worked together so much, and I think that's kind of the story we're trying to portray in this matchup. Quick tags, Hardy Boys, biggest pop of the night, take their shirts off. Um, Jeff, did it, Jeff, Jeff did it early, too. <laughs> oh, he went too early. But yeah, because you you do know we would always like typically pick a spot where we do some sort of double team move or whatever, and then like we go, okay, now let's do the shirts because we'll like you know we'll ride this pop that we get from <laughs> the actual move we do, and then get another pop from taking off the shirts. But I can see like we did the move, and I like wasn't ready. But there's Jeff taking off the shirts, like oh shit, I guess I better do it too. God. You know, once again, Jeff, <laughs> that erratic behavior, man. I love that there's That's a shirt spot song. in every Hardy match that that was planned out. A lot of times there would. I'd say, let's do the shirts there. You know, I'd say, oh, this is happening. Let's do the shirts there. And it's a big pop. I was watching yeah, the old one. I guess Jeff, Jeff was just feeling it, man. He he said, brother, I'm just feeling it. You know, the crowd, the crowd was ready for the shirts then. That's why I, I did it on the fly. I called it audible. They were feeling it. You are called in the ring, baby. You are yeah. – uh, you are a handsome son of a bitch, Matt Hardy, as is your oh, brother. So that's that. uh, that's definitely – So, Lena, I was watching the 01 Rumble recently, and the two of you in there, first time, mano a mano. Shirts come off. You'd think Austin just entered the ring. It was wild, man. So, pretty crazy. Um, I used to be a heartthrob in another life. It's true. Uh, Terry, very into you guys taking the shirts off. And uh, Jerry Lawler quips on commentary that he'll take his coat off for Terry. So... Um, worth noting, Terry is back out there for this match, and she has hired the APA for protection. That can't be good for us. Should have seen it coming, man. So, like I said, quick tags. You're working over Christian, and I notice here as you're going to work on him, you very loudly are shouting, come on, Christian, get up. Come on, Christian, get up. You're taunting him, and if I pay attention to our podcast from a few weeks ago on Michael Hayes, this feels like something you might have picked up from him, channeling that aggression a little more. Am I right on that? I mean, I was definitely more aggressive. And and I feel like I, I probably did that. I was a, a more mean or more combative towards him because I knew we were going to be facing each other at WrestleMania. So I wanted there to be tension between us as opposed to like feeling like we are ha- – friends that are co- coexisting in a match. I wanted to feel more tense. Uh, and there is one time where it's totally the spot Michael Hayes originally pitched where we do the poetry in motion in this match. And as soon as he comes out of the corner, he just sells out from Jeff's kick in the corner and I tear his head off. 
and I start beating the shit out of them as I get down doing very violent punches. And that is definitely uh, me incorporating Michael Hayes' mindset. That's exactly what I'm referring to, that spot. So that's yeah. really cool. That Man, Mr. Freebird, you hear that influence uh, even to this day. Lots of urine. Uh, so you're right, though, man. Crowd's not into this. Springboard sit out from Jeff onto Christian. It looked awesome. And that barely even gets a reaction. Yeah, I mean, I, I watch it. I mean, they they reacted to like big spots, but not like they should have reacted. You know, I'm not even sure where this match was on the card, how many matches deep we were, but just like, it, once again, it feels like the crowd in Connecticut are they're 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 too smart and they're too cool to like really let themselves go and get into the match and just cheer like a normal wrestling fan. You guys that's were you guys were the fourth felt. match of the night at that point. So that that is not too deep in the in yeah. in the evening. Yeah. And you're the longest match of the night to that point as well. So uh, it's like they've had, they've had a time to get ready to heat up for a nice long match. So it's clear like you guys are positioned to go out there and have a killer match. That's how they have set this up. Yeah. And I mean, if if this match, if that exact same match as it did, if it happened on dynamite uh, today in 2022, the crowd would be going ape shit for it. You know, which is even the more frustrating about that. Just having that in Connecticut and know this is a big match as we're building towards a big WrestleMania moment, you know, with the three teams and, and this match kind of played a part in that role. It's like, come on, man, like just, you know, let yourself have fun. You're, you're wrestling fans. You bought these expensive ass tickets to come watch us wrestle. Like, let yourself go. Have some fun. Be wrestling fans. I'm going to piss you off by telling you what you followed because there's no reason they shouldn't have been super hot for you. Oh, what, what did we follow? Mark Henry versus Viscera. Well, there you have it. <laughs> the three-minute and 48-second barn burner. That was <laughs> Mark Henry versus Viscera. So. See, once again, I, I came to the ring, Mattitude. It was oppressed again in Connecticut. <laughs> Connecticut oppressed Mattitude. See, maybe Vince was on to something. <laughs> Oh, dear Lord. Oh, man. That's so bad. It's so bad. Anyway, you guys are in the babyface corner here. But- oh, Mark, what's going on, dog? Yo, man, my attitude's like that too, homie. It's oppressed. I mean, that's how I would have been talking. What's that's up with what that? he wanted out of you? Uh, I mean, that, that was kind of what was pitched if we were going to be a team, yeah. Unreal. Un- but incredibly real. I totally believe that entirely. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, that doesn't sound out of the ordinary no, for a WWE pitch. Not at all. Um, but you guys are in the babyface corner and you're kind of working a little heelish at this point in the match. Like you just saw the really big aggression stuff. Yeah. But, but then and, a few minutes I, later. I like both teams did. Both teams well, really worked almost heelish because like we really wanted there to be a conflict between the two teams. Like we definitely wanted people to know that like now we're, we're, we're on a different page and, and we're not allies. We're not working together. We're not friends. We, we definitely have a, a very heated issue in rivalry because we knew where this was going at WrestleMania. That's what I was just about to say, because then a few minutes later, they flip the script. You distract the ref inadvertently and they take advantage of it. Christian dropped toe holds edge right into Jeff's crotch. Uh, this was kind of a cool spot. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Corderas didn't see it because he was distracted by you. Uh, Jimmy Corderas, someone who's still pretty active in the internet wrestling community these days. What'd you make of your time working with Jimmy Corderas? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I've always got along great with Jimmy. And he, he does like uh, the ref rants or something now. He does a little thing where he does like a minute long video, if I'm not mistaken. 
I know there's been a couple times when I was back with WWE and we were in Toronto where he does, he also works with uh, a wrestling podcast or a wrestling show, whatever it may be. And I saw him a couple times when I was there. Like I, I know him and there was a lady that was with him who interviewed me when I was doing promotion for WWE. But yeah, I've always gotten along great with Jimmy. He, he, he was always great to have as a referee. He was really good. He was, he would do a great job of like staying out of your way and he would always like really be great about giving you the cues and whatnot. So I, I had great experiences with Jimmy Cordero's. Edge hits a pile driver on Jeff. It's almost like a snap pile driver. We don't really see this too much after Owen injured Austin. And now it's actually a band move in WWE. Yeah. Uh, was there any blowback on that at the time, or was that still fair game? Uh, no, there was no blowback, and uh, we we wouldn't have. We were all at that point where we, we wouldn't have like pushed the rules. Like if we were told not to do something, uh, I don't think any of us were that kind of rebel at that point. But like, I was surprised even when I saw the pile driver because I know later on, years a couple years later after that, it ends up being banned permanently. So it did kind of like whoa, uh, we did a pile driver in this match. I guess we could still do that then. Any thoughts on the pile driver? Is it as dangerous as some people make it out to be? I mean, pro wrestling is dangerous. I mean, any move can be dangerous in pro wrestling. And uh, the pile driver might be a, a little more dangerous than a lot of moves, just because typically you're dropping a guy on his head if something goes wrong. But like in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it really it, like being banned isn't going to like change a ton of injuries. You know, obviously you're not going to get anybody – being hurt from a pile driver because you can't do the pile drivers. But do I think it is, you know, like a, a good thing it's banned? Not necessarily. I mean, I think if you have someone who knows what they're doing and, and they're strong, I think it's a fine move. So this is a cool spot that finally gets the crowd going. Uh, Jeff goes for her Rana, but Edge catches him for this massive power bomb. It was awesome looking kind of a bad landing for Jeff, but like it took this massive, massive power move to finally get the crowd up and going at this point. And I felt like watching it in hindsight, I could see the frustration on your guys' faces. That's like, it's taking something like that this late into the match to finally get some sort of reaction when you're in the ring and you're not getting that reaction and you're calling spots or you're working with these guys. Is there any communication like that where Maybe you're like, fuck, what do we got to do here? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there'd be times you would try and communicate. I, I could tell personally that I was frustrated because there's times when they did stop Jeff and they were getting steam on Jeff, getting heat on Jeff. I, you know, I, I'm over there clapping like, come on, Hardy. Let's go, Hardy. Let's go, Hardy. And I'm saying it loud, audibly over and over, hoping that like the crowd would pick up on Nothing's it happening. in some capacity and like nothing's happening which is very frustrating. You know, and, what, and that that's me like because they weren't, you know, just they 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 hadn't been activated. They didn't activate their wrestling fan mode. You know, I was like, okay, maybe I'll try and like subliminally like say stuff to my brother to encourage him and maybe that'll subliminally make them start chanting or cheering or at least clapping or hearty or whatever, but not very little. Beautiful power slam from Christian, just so smooth. And a couple minutes later he's back in the ring on no tag, but you are very smart, Matt. You are the sensei here. You've been around the block. And you realize that while he's stomping Jeff, you're able to hit a beautiful elbow drop on edge to cut off the heat. Uh, this was very different. It was mm -hmm. actually probably 
my favorite spot of the entire match, quite frankly, because oh. psychology-wise, it was you taking advantage of a moment here. Uh, who put that together? Because after this, you knock out Christian and Corderas even gets hit a bit, and there's a really good near fall. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I don't remember whose idea specifically it was. I would imagine just considering I was doing the elbow, I probably had something to say. Great I, elbow. I could see – oh, thank you. I could see Edge of Christian just coming up with that idea about them cutting it off, like, and then maybe I come in and do something. And I, I think just coming right out of my corner and dropping the elbow was, like, a, a perfect call. And I, I like that spot a lot. Like, that, that wasn't a, a regular spot. Like, in this match – we were together so many times and we had like 10 different matches, right? That I feel like we could just like, okay, let's do match one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. I saw so many different spots during the course of this match that we just use in different scenarios and different matches. But like this uh, Christian come in and stomp on Jeff and then the ref puts him out and I do the elbow behind the ref's back. Like that wasn't a spot that we had done before. So that, that was very cool. And it probably just only exists in the snow way out match. That's why I was asking about it because it is different. and. Yeah. I was curious who came up with that, if you could recall, because that's it just it, it's a testament to the creativity. Yeah, that it was you probably guys... me. It was probably me. I'm a super creative and intelligent guy. Very intelligent. Uh, a little erratic. Very <laughs> intelligent. Uh, Jeff catches Edge with a missile dropkick as Edge is coming off the top rope. This look great. You're working super hard. Still no responses. Uh, you hit the comeback. Corderas is counting pin. His hand gets hung up in the ropes. That that made me chuckle a little bit, but it actually played for a really good near fall because commentary plays it up and they're like, Hey, if his hand didn't get caught up on the ropes when he's counting it, then maybe it would have been a, a pin. I thought that was really good improv by mm-hmm. JR and King there. Um, so then you've got edge in an electric chair. Jeff is on the top rope. Edge rolls through into a pin. Jeff inadvertently ends up in a pin from Christian it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in theory that Jimmy Corderas is counting both, but it's a really cool visual and I like it. Um, you guys was, did that pull from other house show matches that you guys did or was that? Yeah, we, we, had done, we had done that before. I, I want to say we did that like as a, maybe even in the, the series, we did something very similar to that. I feel like where we did a double pin in the, the series we had that led to the Terry, you know, in the Terry invitational tournament, uh, we, we, we did a, a double pin, uh, a, a time or two before maybe on the road or house show. So we had done something similar to that before. And we still had the, the two legal men were in the ring. Right. And Jimmy was counting them. Yes. Am I, am I wrong? Yes. So as, as long as the, as long as one of them were being counted and there was, you know, two guys that were together and they were both the legal men, I'm okay with the spot. And I thought it was just cool visually. You guys hit event Omega on Christian. I want to stress event Omega because I got yelled at last time that I didn't refer to it by name. So uh, Jeff stays on for the cover, but you wave him off because you're the legal man that popped me a little bit. It's just Jeff Hardy getting so caught up in the adrenaline of the match. He didn't even realize that he wasn't the legal man. I imagine that probably happened once or twice over the course of your career as a tag team. Yes. Once or twice in the thousands, <laughs> the amount of times that happened. Um, but I love the structure of this match, man. I can tell that you've really put a lot of thought into building the near falls, hoping for a big response, but the crowd's just not getting behind them. So you guys go for poetry in motion on Edge. This was insane. Edge spears Jeff 
out of midair and it just looks gnarly and the crowd finally met. Jeff, Jeff could take that so incredible. I mean, just he would jump off and he'd still like be able to snap his body back. He just had some amazing body control. And it takes two to tango, right? Great chemistry from Edge on that behalf where Edge just caught him at just the right time and put him down. It looked amazing. It really did. So Jeff goes on top. Terry looks like she's going to will him on to success, doing a little hearty dance, gets on the apron and pushes Jeff off the top rope to the outside. You're confused. You go for the twist of fate anyway on Christian. He pushes you into Terry right in front of the ref, but he's looking at Christian, even though it's right mm-hmm. in front of him. And she slaps you on prettier one, two, three. He made me feel so damn unpretty. There you go. What do you think of the unprettier as a finisher? It's a very divisive finisher. I, I like it. Yeah. Uh, that, that's how when that uh, TLC song was out, uh, unpretty. You made me feel so damn unpretty. We were singing that like out on the road. That's how it got that name as the unprettier. We were just calling it the unprettier jokingly, and it kind of half-ass became the unprettier in the big scheme of things. Did not know that. That's a cool little story. Yeah. So this finish, it just, I don't know. It kind of feels a little strange given Terry really had nothing to do with the build for this outside of when she was taken out by the Dudleys and hired the APA. The APA don't play into the actual finish of the match itself. It's just Terry, who hasn't really been seen, costing you guys the match. Was the... Jury out at this point still on what Terry's role could be here. Did they make the call that, no, we're done with her in the Hardys because she adds very little at this point? Talk me through that because, honestly, I'm, I'm a little confused. Yeah. Uh, well, even going back and, and watching this match, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the finish. And, and I think it was done well. It was in very close proximity that she shoved Jeff off the top, which obviously betraying the guys, you know, she manages supposedly. And then even like the slap to me, and she kind of like, she pulled the slap. It was kind of a shitty slap. Uh, you know, I was like, come on, you know, let me have it. You got to lay it in. Uh, but then the slap and then that led directly to the finish. I was okay with that because, you know, she had the APA out there supposedly, you know, to protect her from the Dudleys because, you know, I feel like we had allowed her to go through the Dudleys, you know, in the big scheme of that. We had allowed the Dudleys to get her and put her through a table. So her turning on us almost makes sense. There's 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 a little bit of storytelling there. She's very frustrated because, like, she believed in us and we we let her down and we let these bad people hurt her. And then the APA maybe were also out there just to make sure when she made her move and decided to, you know, pull the tablecloth out from underneath us and cost us the match – you know, if we fired up on her, the APA was there to to beat us down and, and lay us out. So I was OK with all that storytelling. And like once again, uh, going into the WrestleMania match, we have the Dudleys as champions. We have NC who have now gotten a controversial win over us, you know, because we had won the tag team ladder match. We'd won the tag team tables match. I feel like all the teams have a lot of momentum from a storytelling perspective going into WrestleMania. So I was OK with that finish. You have a gripe. You have a reason to feel like you got screwed. Yeah. And that you belong in the championship match. Yeah. And, and and also too, like once again, even with Terry, like I'm I'm okay with the way they did that as far as 
her turning on us and her reasoning and the justification for it of like, we, we were supposed to protect her. She was like our motherly figure and we didn't protect her. We felt her and we let the Dudleys hurt her so that she was like, well, the, these guys aren't taking care of me. So I, I'm, I'm not going to hang out with them anymore. And then I'm pretty sure the WWE realized, and, and I think we did too. We just, Ter- Terry was a weird fit for us being an older lady. We were like young the young cool kids at that point in time. And I feel like a lot of our fans, as you could say about taking the shirts off were like young girls. So it's Terry didn't necessarily fit. And I don't, I, I don't know if she was like doing anything negative. I don't know if there were negative results from having Terry with us, but it really didn't add anything. So we were cool being separated with her. I, I enjoyed having her with us and she worked really hard. And, and as I said in the past, she'd, pitch many ideas to try and make as, as much of a unit as possible and try and make it work. And I have a lot of love for anybody who does that. You know, whenever you take it, you, whenever you take whatever you're given and you try to make the most out of it, she, she definitely did that, but it was, it was time for us to do our own thing and be just magic hardy and kind of stand alone. So we were also excited, I think with the prospect of, you know, not having Terry now, not because she was like, an anchor or holding us back or anything like that. I just felt like it was going to be better just us on our own as two young, cool kids. So you guys go to confront her and the acolytes step in and they put a, put a beating on you guys. Uh, Edge and Christian are kind of conflicted with how they won the match here. Um, Dave Meltzer in the Observer says it was a good match, but actually a little disappointing since it couldn't compare to any of their previous encounters. And part of it was that the crowd was less into it than you would expect. So, yeah, and other and, people that, recognized him, Matt. Oh, that, that's uh, that's also one of the detriments of having matches like the tag team ladder match or the tag team table match with the Dudleys. When you do these insane matches. You know, sometimes you raise the bar so high that you set this huge precedent and sometimes it's tough to, you know, people are disappointed if you don't give them something more than, you know, what they see in the past. So, you know, maybe that was in some ways even, you know, the deal with this match, you know, in Connecticut. It's just like they'd seen us do these insane things in the tag team ladder match and, you know, they were waiting for more craziness, more insanity, you know, but we went out and gave them just a, a badass, you know, we all worked our asses off type match. But he still gives it three stars. I thought it was a great wrestling match. Just like yeah. old school, two tag teams with a story, with a purpose. There's motivation I, for them fighting. It was good. I almost had a gri- gripe with Dave on that then. Like if he, you, you said he gave uh, the Dudleys versus the New Age Outlaws two and a half stars, right? Two and a half, and that was a five and a half minute match. Oh, yeah. come on, man. We did, we deserve more than three then for that match. Because we did, we did. It was a good match, yeah. especially considering you had two baby faces wrestling one another. And we were definitely working hard to build conflict between the two teams. Uh, I, I would have went three and a half, maybe four stars on them. Interesting. I, I think honestly, Matt, I think if the crowd receives it better, it's probably rated a little higher. But, oh, that, that, that's one of the things too. I mean, yeah. the crowd is an integral part of any match. I mean, a, a killer crowd reaction makes any match better. Even if, if, if you take a match that is like, okay, but it has a killer crowd reaction because they're into the characters and what they're doing. It makes that, it raises the level of that match so much. But if you take a badass match, even like the match we had where you guys do all, you know, where you have guys that are busting their ass out there and working really hard and they do a bunch of really cool, innovative, creative spots and whatnot and and tell a good story during the match, but the crowd isn't there. Then it almost like takes away from the match. 
So they are an integral part of the match, and they can definitely make the match better, or they can they can also uh, make the match not as good. Was there any talk about including the APA in your little three-team story and making it a four-team story into WrestleMania? I, not with the, not with the ladders. <laughs> not considering it was going to be a ladder match. I I don't think so. I mean, we we did stuff off and on with those guys quite often, but like, I, I don't think either of them desired to be like in a ladder match, and and they just wouldn't have fit. I mean, we. Yeah. That was a that was a Hardy's Edge Christian Dudley's thing. Yeah, I was just curious. Uh, you know, they're kind of woven into this story here. NMLS number six five zero eight four equal housing lender. New Year's resolutions are just hard to keep up with, but saving money is easy at SaveWithConrad.com. Wouldn't twenty twenty two be easier with lower monthly payments? Get the best rate you've ever had. Pay off your credit card debt and even get the cash you need right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to get started, and you can even skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save for free at savewithconrad.com. Let's take a time out here. And while we normally have a lot of fun on this show, this is a pretty serious topic, life insurance, specifically Goliath life insurance. Let me give you a pro tip. We're all going to die. So before you get a visit from the undertaker, think just for a second about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow with life insurance from goliathlife.com. What we're really talking about is protecting what you've worked so hard to provide for both you and more importantly, your family. You see, life insurance isn't about you. It's about those who matter the most to you. Sure. You do a great job taking care of them now, but who would do that if something awful happened to you? I just lost two friends in the last year and a half, one forty-two with two kids, the other 46 who left behind a wife and three kids. Thank God they had insurance and Hey, I hear you. Nobody wants to think or talk about life insurance, but think about this. You might not get in a car accident, but you have auto insurance. You might not get sick, but you have health insurance. So we'll protect our car and we'll even protect ourselves from like crazy medical bills. But will we protect our family? That's what life insurance means to me. Peace of mind. Goliathlife.com streamlines the life insurance purchase process by allowing you to get quotes from more than 20 carriers all at the same time and at the same place, goliathlife.com. You'll do a fast and easy application and have multiple quotes within minutes. And oh, by the way, goliathlife.com has solutions for every budget. And maybe best of all, you pick your terms and payments at goliathlife.com. Once you pick your price, you can start the online application immediately. And check this out. You can even schedule the medical exam to happen in your home. You don't even have to leave the house to do this. And yes, I have done this. They sent someone to my office. It was fast. It was easy. And it was unlike anything I expected. I got to skip the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations, and even the multiple visits to the doctor's office that we all hate so much. Goliathlife.com makes buying life insurance simple. Goliathlife.com promises no hidden fees, no upsell, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliathlife.com is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at Goliathlife.com. 
Hey, I want to take a moment and remind you that you're listening to this podcast as part of the Podcast Heat Network. Podcast Heat features shows from all around the spectrum, ranging from sports to wrestling to politics to lifestyle and everything in between. And it's the fastest growing podcast network in all the world. So why not join us and get in on some of the fun? You can learn how your business can be part of the extreme life of Matt Hardy by just logging on to podcastheat.com and click on the show. That's podcastheat.com. So we like to bring the past to the present here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. So talking about the legacy of this, I think the biggest thing I take away, I kind of brought it up before, is really effective character building for multiple tag teams. Um, What do you think of that in hindsight? What can bookers learn from this kind of storytelling where multiple teams are showcased and every decision kind of ties into another. I I thought it was a good scenario of showing how to take two babyface teams because we were both good guys at that point. Uh, I think it's a good way of showing how to get conflict between two legitimate, like white, white meat babyface teams, Edge and Christian and the Hardys. We have a conflict and we're, we're battling out one another. And then ultimately the story continues to drive through WrestleMania. And I think like, you know, even though we were friends and like kind of on the same page, uh, our quest and our drive to be the WWE World Tag Team Champions, uh, both both teams, it's, it's so important that we're willing to go at each other's throat. And, and like we both want to be the number one tag team in the industry. And I feel like it kind of started the path going on to the Dudleys at, at WrestleMania started during the Snow Way Out match. And I thought we did a good job of taking two babyface teams and and building great conflict between them. Just to clarify, you guys were fully aware at this point that you were going to have a triple threat ladder match at WrestleMania? Yes, yes. We knew we were going there. I, I want to say we probably knew the day of because the, the Dudleys were def- definitely winning the titles. Has to be a pretty cool feeling knowing you're going to get your first big WrestleMania spot and a lot of yep. nerves. Yes. Yeah. Really cool. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about WrestleMania 2000 on April 8th here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. So if anyone wants to get questions in about that, you can hashtag Ask Matt, just as we do for most weeks here on the podcast. We asked you to do it here. Let's get into it. Gil Boldberg, good little Twitter handle there, asks, uh, how come there was no follow-up storyline with Terry about her heel turn? You explained it in depth as to why it made sense. He's kind of right. There's there's not a whole lot of follow-up on it. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think it's one of those things. Sometimes when Vince, his mentality, when he's done with something, it's just like a one and done. There's no follow-up. And there's no follow-up. And I think that was the case with this scenario. He's just like, okay, uh, Terry isn't really fitting with the Hardy Boys. Uh, we, we gave it a shot. It's not really working. Let's end it. And that, that was it. It was a one and done. Josh asks... Uh, he says, I never understood why Terry Reynolds was your valet. Can you explain the philosophy behind the move? Y'all are some of the smartest in the business, so I value your opinion. Thanks, Matt. I mean, we we, we didn't push for it. If it would have been up to us, we never would have done it. I mean, that that I feel like they were just utilizing Terry in some sort of role, and she was basically offering to become the manager of whoever wins the, you know, Terry Mutational Tournament with Edge and Christian versus the Hardys. So, I mean, they, they put her with us. I could say that we were stuck with her, but like we tried to utilize her and and make the most out of it, you know, with this opportunity that we had, which is what you have to do 
in uh in in pro wrestling so it, it it wasn't our idea i mean we didn't necessarily like say like hey we'd really like to have terry with us uh we we just kind of wanted we wanted to do our own thing and continue to to have great matches and like tell crazy stories and like and and do different giving matches almost like the tag team ladder match and the tag team table match and the triple threat and then ultimately tlc stuff like that because we knew that was like our niche and whenever we did those whenever we did those matches whenever we're put in that environment that's when we excelled more than any other time so uh yeah the terry decision was not mine it was not jeff's and maybe we just got stuck with it because the edge and christian didn't want her <laughs> David says, huge fan of the podcast, guys, Matt. I've always been a fan of how the APA evolved. Did you enjoy working with them? And what tag teams other than Edge and Christian, the Dudleys, did you enjoy working with the most at, at this time? The, the APA were, they were, they were good to work with on TV. Uh, I, I remember like sometimes if we would work with them on house shows, it's just like, oh, you know, it's just, they're just, they're, they're just so aggressive and they beat you up so much. Like just, if we're going to work with these guys, like let's just work with them on TV. Um, too cool is someone we greatly enjoyed working with. Uh, too cool is probably the team we enjoyed working with next to Edge and Christian, I would say. And uh, he also says, this was the first show I ever attended and it was incredible. How do you rate Hartford as a wrestling city? So on a scale of zero to 10, Matt, where's Hartford? I mean, I have been in Hartford where they have been good. But okay. typically, you know, statistically, uh, as Tom has said, you know, the majority of times I've been there, they've just been very difficult. And and it's almost like they're just too smart for their own good. They were one of the trendsetters, you know, Connecticut crowds, um, Bridgeport, Hartford, New Haven. I, yeah, New Haven, which was a, a place we would do often. I, I, I feel like that, you know, if they, if they're going to be smart wrestling fans who are almost like too cool for school, you know, I'm going to grade them low I, on a scale of one to ten. I'm going to put them as a as a three because they're just not giving us a three or four because they're not giving us that passion and that love and that enthusiasm that pro wrestlers covet. And that's just, you know, that's what we want. Like, if we come out there and bust our ass to, like, entertain you, let yourself go and and, and don't try and be cool. Be a wrestling fan. Cheer, boo, you know, yell, scream, you know, do whatever you want to do. Ooh, ah, but, you know, make sure you're you're interactive because the more enthusiastic the crowd is, the harder the guys are going to work for you in the ring as well. I promise you. Two more here for you. Ringside rant. I'm glad we're talking about this. With the main event being Triple H versus Cactus Jack inside Hell in a Cell, are the four of you preparing for the match differently or are you preparing the same? Now, keep in mind, this was supposed to be Mick Foley's retirement match. As we know, of course, Mick would end up in the main event of WrestleMania like three weeks later. So that's just how wrestling retirements work, I guess. But do you remember there being a certain buzz in the arena that night? And did it have any effect on how you guys laid your match out? I I would say the the main thing that it really probably changed with our match or, or not even changed the The main thing it influenced our match is that we didn't use any objects because I could have seen uh, somehow like trying to pull out a ladder or a table or, 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 or something in some scenario, because this is the stuff that we were known for. And we knew these things were over and we knew we were going to a triple threat ladder match. We may have tried to tease something in the course of this match at some point, you know, because we're going to be doing, uh, you know, in theory, it's a 
uh, triple threat ladder match at WrestleMania, but it's kind of like the first TLC match because we incorporate all three items, tables, ladders, and chairs. I could have probably seen something during the course of this match where like Timbers was flaring up so much, somebody was about to get a chair or a ladder or whatever it may be. But because this main event was going to be uh, 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 a Hail Mary and they were going to throw everything out there, I know – I'm sure if if we weren't told, we knew we were smart enough at this time to just have a straight wrestling match during this contest. Because if there's another gimmick match on the show somewhere, they definitely want all the other matches to be as straight as possible. It's a hell of a match. Go check that out, that Hell in a Cell match between Triple H and Cactus Jack if you've never watched it. Really, really good. Last question here comes from Jordan. From 1999 through 2001, you and Jeff faced Edge and Christian on TV 20 times. This match has the benefit of Terry turning as the unexpected element, but what are the challenges in giving the crowd something new every night when you work with an opponent that often? I think that's a great question. That is a great question. And I feel like it's just challenging because you, you've done so many things. It's just hard to put new spins on things. But like, for instance, we, we put our, we were putting our thinking caps on. We had the spot where, you know, Christian started stomping out Jeff, you know, once he felt like he's going to get a life and he, once he, did a double down with edge and he was going to come back to life a little bit, make the tag Christian starts stomping him. And I go up and I drop the elbow on him. I feel like we were always creative and, and that was the most important thing that we would always incorporate new spots, new ways of doing things. At least if you're going to do some of the same moves, you just do it in a different sequence, you know? And I, I feel like all four guys were really good at, at thinking thoroughly when it came to doing things in a different way or, or doing new creative things. That puts a bow tie on No Way Out 2000. Thank you for all the questions, guys. Hashtag Ask Matt. Send them to at Matt Hardy Pod every week. Make sure you give it a follow, and you might hear your question read on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. So, Matt, we have something very exciting planned now. Again, we'll get to WrestleMania 2000 on April 8th. But from now until then... We have a five-week series planned on something very special. What are we going to be doing here, Matt? We are going to cover a lot of territory. Uh, One of my favorite runs in my career, without a doubt. I think we're going to start with uh, me becoming Big Money Matt on TNA television, going into the double turn with EC3, uh, becoming the world heavyweight champion, leading to me dropping the title and having a series of matches with my brother, which leaves me broken, and then go into the whole creation and go into depth of the broken universe and all the, the, the fine details behind broken Matt Hardy, and then ultimately go on an expedition of gold with a brother Nero who has accepted that he should be broken as well. And then uh, land at the destination of Orlando, Florida, and WrestleMania 33. Hairs are standing, man. I can't wait to talk about that episode. When you and I sat down at that Chipotle in Orlando back in October and hashed out our show, kind of laid that out. And that WrestleMania 33 episode, it's just going to be so special. And hearing the broken story, as you said, I, I Quite frankly, Matt, probably the most memorable run of your career uh, in the most unlikely of ways. It's (laughs) it's really incredible. And we're going to break down the broken character in a way that's never been done before. So be tuned in here every week to the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Five star review. 
again, Matt and I might be uh, sending some prizes out, so be on the look for that. Anything else you'd like to add here, Matt, as we wrap up episode eight? No, man. Uh, I just want to thank each and every one of you that are tuning in each and every week to The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. I know there's a a very loyal group of people that have really been enjoying the podcast, and and thank you. And if uh, you haven't yet, make sure you go and give us a five-star review and leave your uh, leave, leave your notes of positivity on what you think of the podcast and tell a friend. And of course, check out the House Hardy on Twitch. I got in on the fun this past week <laughs> over at the House Hardy. Uh, man, Mattitude Mondays are fun. They are, yeah. You do some singing. Yeah, they, 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 that's it. Get there. Oh. You never know which of the Hardy clan is going to show up. Uh, Wolfgang popped up this week. Oh, there's always run-ins by the kids, for sure. The baby Hardy boys, they always run in. So check out. They love to get their their FaceTime on camera. <laughs> so check out the House Hardy on Twitch and everything that Rebby is doing over there. It's a big passion project for her, and she crushes it. So uh, go check all that out. And we'll see you next week here as things are about to get broken. The words have been spoken. Adios, farewell. Hope you get your drug test back. I'll see you next time on Extreme it's Life. It's a negative. <laughs> Matt Hardy. Straight edge. <laughs> <laughs>